Hello, and welcome to Wine, Weird and Wonder, a true crime and paranormal podcast. Each week, we start with a bit of wine, the combo gets a bit weird, and then we all begin to wonder what on earth is going on. We're your hosts. I'm Bobby. And I'm Rosie. Please be aware the stories we'll be sharing may cover content that some of our audience may find distressing. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to our first episode. I'm Bobby. And I'm Rosie. Yes, you are. The one and only. <laughs> and this <laughs> is episode numero uno. Episode one. So, do we want to talk about ourselves or do we want to get straight into it? Get straight into it. I feel like our personalities will shine through. Yeah. You'll get to know us as the podcast goes along. <laughs> and you'll wish you didn't. <laughs> we'll be Maybe we should actually say what we'll be covering, though. Yeah, so I'm going to probably cover more of the paranormal, supernatural element so my stories will probably be more focused around that area and mine i'm focusing purely on true crime so everything that you can think of in your nightmares is what i'll be covering (laughs) is what i'll be covering so we can go through all the trauma together rose is here with your worst nightmares and your biggest phobias Yeah. yeah biggest fears in real life scenarios yeah, trigger warning central, my stories will be. And I'm here with everything that goes bump in the night and makes you too scared to go to the toilet or dip your toes out of the cover. Or look in the mirror. <gasps> hey. <laughs> <laughs> I take offence. <laughs> no, I meant like, you know, if there's something behind you. Do you ever go to people's houses and you're like, what the hell is this mirror? Why is this mirror magnifying every imperfection on my face? Yeah, but do you know which mirrors I prefer? The ones that make you look better. And you're like, oh, I look slim, I look snatched. And then you look in another mirror and you're like, what is this outfit saying? No, then you open your iPhone camera and you're like, who the hell is this? (laughs) This jacket potato? (laughs) (laughs) No, not the iPhone camera. Right. So, yeah, that's what we're going to be covering. So I'm going to go first, yeah? Yeah, you go first. I'm excited. My first story I'm bringing to you is... Do we draw one? A UFO story, and it's called The Kentucky Goblins. Okay? The Kentucky Fried Goblins. (laughs) The Kentucky Fried Goblins. I keep going to call them the Kentucky Fried Gremlins, but it's not. (laughs) But the thing is, they're not even fried. So the fact that we're even calling them fried... <laughs> no, but, wait, they're not fried, are they? Anytime you mention anything Kentucky, I automatically think Kentucky fried... Whatever, whatever. So these are... I was about to say, these are the Kentucky fried things. No, they're not. They're Kentucky goblins, and they're not even goblins. They're aliens. Okay? Okay. So, this story takes place in August 21st, 1955. So, quite a while ago. At a small tobacco farm in Kelly, a small hamlet, 
a hamlet is a human settlement because I had to Google that. I didn't know what a hamlet was. But yeah, it's a small human settlement in a Christian county in Western Kentucky, USA. It's a small rural town on southwest of state and apparently it was known for tornadoes and tobacco. That sounds like a trashy bar to me. <laughs> Does so what the tornadoes or the tobacco? Both. It's like, come on down to tornadoes and tobacco. <laughs> what bars have you been to? Oh my god! No, this is just in my imagination. Like coyote ugly kind of vibe. Dancing on the bar. Yeah, I don't think this had that because the town, the farm town, has about three hundred people in it today, so it's not very built up. Um. So okay. in 2010, the community uncovered mm. this story hidden in its past, and then they started to like it became more popular after they be- became really aware of it. If that makes sense, like it was forgotten about, and then it resurfaced in 2010. So it is based around the Sutton family, which um, consisted of 50-year-old Glenny Langford and her five children. She had a son. Elmar, they called him Lucky, so I'm going to call him Lucky. Charlie, both of their wives and one of the wife's brothers lived at the house. And then her other three younger children lived at the house as well. And they was 12, 10 and 7. So they lived in an unpainted three-bedroom house without running water, telephone, radio, TV or books. Poverty ridden. So how many people is that? Two, three, six, seven people in a three-bedroom house. I don't know how the dynamic works out there. Cost of living crisis. London living, babes. Basically. But they they didn't even have books. Pretty much. And the the houses aren't painting. I feel like, I mean, I feel like out of everything to be worried about, the books would be the least of their concerns. They don't even have running water, you said. Well, at least. Yeah, but they could go buy a book. No, so I don't think they're concerned about what they're reading when they can't even wash. (laughs) They can go and buy a book. From where? They're in the middle of nowhere. I'm sure they could find the book somewhere between seven of them. They could go into town. Get, they must have to go into town for something. They must have a library. Anyway, this is this was their setup. Oh, actually, there was more people mm-hmm. because the son Lucky, um, he worked on a travelling carnival. See, so he could have got book from there. From a travelling carnival? Yeah, he's travelling. He could have picked up a book on his way. All right, we need to stop fixating <laughs> on the books. <laughs> My point is they're very deprived, so... Yeah, no, you don't say, Bobby. They don't have running water. <laughs> or a telephone or a radio or TV. It's the water for me. Or book. But they can grow tobacco. Fine. Um, yeah, so Lucky worked on a travelling carnival and there he met his friend Billy Ray Taylor and he had his wife who was 18 and they both lived at the house as well. So that's nine people now in a three-bedroom house with no amenities. So they've been staying there for a few months. One day after Sunday at around 7pm, Billy Ray ran outside to get water from the backyard from a well, okay? If you wonder where he's getting this water from, it's, an, it's from, from a well. From a well? Yes. I, I researched it. I looked it up. Sorry, what year was this? What year was this? 1955. Okay. But they lived out in farm... I was about to say farm country. <laughs> Farmland. It was a little hamlet. It was a little settlement. So there wasn't a lot around there. So 
That's why mm. they only had the well. So he went um, to the Billy Ray went to the well. Willow Ray went down went he went down to the well to get a pail of water. No, actually he went to the backyard and he saw, quote, a silvery object, real bright, with an exhaust, all the colours of the rainbow. As he later reencountered, it came silently towards the house, passed over it, stopped in the air, and then dropped straight to the ground. So basically, there was a field behind, and that's where it, la- it landed from the house. Um, mm-hmm. He came back in the house. Obviously, he was like friends. He could hold everyone what he'd just seen. But the mum, Glynn, and the kids laughed at him. They didn't take him seriously. Because apparently he was known for being a bit of like a prankster or whatever, like making things up, being silly. So he just like laughed and didn't believe him. But yeah. an hour later, the dog started barking. So Billy and Lucky went outside and then they saw a strange glow and mist and a small humanoid creature. Quote, the creatures were about three feet tall with oversized heads Huge, luminous yellow eyes, big ears, long arms, and big hands ending in talons. They glowed all over with a silvery luminescence, and they seemed to float rather than walk. I mean, I start laughing because when it says that it's got the long arms and the big hands, I was thinking that's me. With talons. (laughs) (laughs) That is you. When I get my nails done. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. That is you. But, yeah, so... Um, so yeah, they saw these little humanoids and these little aliens, mm. and they don't want any normal same person would do. And they ran and got a 20 gauge shotgun and a 20 22 rifle and fired it. I don't know what they are because we don't have guns in this country, but we know what a rifle is, though. Yeah, I know what a shotgun and a rifle are, but yeah, anyway, I don't need to know. No, we don't because here we'd be grabbing frying pan, baseball bat, iron. White spirit. <laughs> White spirit and a lighter. Deodorant yeah. and a lighter. <laughs> Hairspray and a lighter. <laughs> Don't try this at home. <laughs> yeah. What's the saying? Do what we say, not what we do. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so after they fired it, apparently, it put his hands up and walked towards the door. So he put his hands up, but he kept walking forward. The alien did. Um, yeah, then it did a backflip, scrambled upright, and fled into the darkness. So it was like, and then scurried off. It's actually, it's actually giving yeah. gymnastic vibes. It's giving, um, what's that uh, ballet, sh- ballet in the theatre? What's it, Swan Lake? I'm getting Swan Lake. I'm getting no, an alien doing I'm Swan Lake. Like little circus on the on the rope, flip yeah, up or in when the they air, do that flipping. Thing where they like flip and they like build up and. Oh yeah, like that kind of vibe. I'm getting Swan. I'm getting like an edgy Swan Lake. You're thinking of this way too elegantly. They're they're small know, little am, people flipping around and doing like this. Okay, so after that. There was a series of things that happened over the next few hours. One of the aliens appeared at the side window, which they shot at through the screen. Billy Ray stepped outside and he must have been like on a porch because from the overhanging roof, a hand reached down and touched his hair. So then 
the family just saw the hand. That's therapeutic. No, that's creepy. The sam- the family saw the hand reaching down from the top and they dragged him back. Um, Lucky shot it again. There was another one in a tree ni- nearby, which he shot at. But again, this one floated to the ground and scurried into the woods. So they're basically just popping up here and everyone they're trying to shoot at them. After hiding inside the house for about four hours listening and hearing some scratches on the roof, they ran for it and drove to the nearest police station at Hopkinsville, which was about eight miles away. That's far. It is quite far. I'd be terrified. Imagine you just got yeah. run to the car and drive for your life. When they got there, it was said that they were all sober at the time. No alcohol or drugs were found on the property, um, but they were all frantic and seemingly very distressed. So this is a quote from the police chief, Russell Greenwell, who later told investigators, these aren't the kind of people who normally run to the police for help. What they do is they reach for their guns. Yet here they were, women and children, hysterical, and one man with a pulse of 140 beats per minute, measured by an investigator. Spin class. I told you they drove. (laughs) I know, so that's quite high, but that's a spin class. Because your heart should be above, when you're working out, it should be above 130 for you to be, or 120 to be actively burning calories. Well, he wasn't working out, he just drove there. Well, he so burnt some calories. His heart was pulsing with fear. Maybe I should get chased by aliens. It's going to bump up my metabolism. <laughs> I don't think it works that way. I think you have to move your body as well. You have to you run think? for them, yeah, for it to be effective, to burn them calories. You can't just drive can't away. just have a... Okay, fair enough. Worth a try. I mean, you say this, but if the little green man ever came to you, I don't know. I'd, I'd befriend them. I wouldn't, I wouldn't run away from little green men. Uh, do you know what these little green men might do to you? They seem harmless, though. Yeah, they seem harmless now until they... You up into their space machine and you're on the dissection table. Ew, I don't <laughs> want to be dissected. Exactly, they do weird things. Apparently. Ew. I'll find an abduction story. Do you know what my biggest fear is? What? Yeah, let's broadcast your biggest fear on the first ever episode. Go for it. No, it's not my big... I've got plenty, but I mean, in the, what this story is bringing mm. out is getting abducted by an alien. They take me on their ship and they rip my, my toenails off <gasps> one by one. Why would they do that? For specimen. You said they're going to dissect me and rip my fingernails off one by one because I don't know why, I just feel like getting your nails ripped off one by one is probably the most painful thing because all of your nerve endings. Can you imagine getting your nails ripped off one by one? one? Rosie, I think you've been looking at too much true crime because if an alien abducts you, they're going to experiment on you. If a serial killer abducts you, they're going to rip out your nails. But they might like my manicure. They might like my gel <laughs> mani-pedi and want to know what it is because it's actually cute. It's baby pink. They might be like, what is this on her toes? So they have to rip off all ten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they'll be like, what's this on the fingers? Okay. Well, I hope that doesn't happen to you. No, it won't. So, yeah, that's my fear. Right. <laughs> So everyone knows how to take down Rosie if they need to. She's going for living in ours. I mean, no. Um, I'm just sorry. So you're welcome. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Um, yeah. So 
when the police chief went to the house to investigate, he was met there by state and military police as well, who found no evidence of anything landing, only shell casings and a bullet hole through the screen door. Um, investigators returned the next day also, but they still found no evidence of sources landing, blood or scratches on the roof. A photographer from the Kentucky New Era newspaper came and they released a story on the front headline the next morning. That reporter got there quick. So on the next morning, August 21st, uh, it read, Story of spaceship, 12 little men probed today. Probed? Yes. I don't think they mean probed as in... No, I know, but I'm just thinking of all the headlines... I think they've used that tactfully because everyone's going to think about aliens probing people. But... Yeah, so, true. Smart headline. Um, the family claimed that after the police left that night, after they went back and the police came with them, they was like, everything's fine, it's not here. They said that when the yeah. police left, the little green men, I don't know why I said little green men because they were silver, but everyone called them little green men after. So. They came that They can be little green men. But they weren't, they were silver. No, I know, but if we want them to be green, we can make them green. But that's what I'm saying, that's the confusing thing. Because people kept calling them little green men, but yeah. they're silver. So I'll get to that bit at the end. So Okay. Anyway, no matter what colour colour they are, these little fuckers returned, apparently, in the early hours, peering through the window and glowing. Glowing. Yes. Okay, okay, this is when I would get scared. This is when I would get scared. This is the point. Out of all of it, this is when I get scared. I'm half asleep. You know that bright light? It wakes you up and all you see is this face at the window glowing like, Rosie. I mean, you'll think you're having some sleep paralysis or something. You would. I mean, Or you'll wonder what was in your bedtime tea. Some weird hallucinogenic. Was that brownie <laughs> just a brownie? Where did you get that brownie? Because why am I seeing glowing little men? Who gave me that brownie? <laughs> because why am I waking up and I'm seeing little three-foot glowing men? At your window. At my window. What are they saying? Right. Once the story got out, a number of newspapers and radio stations, including the New York Times, hundreds of people visited the farm some disbelievers said that they were fraudulent and they were ignorant and the family had to put up a no trespassing sign, but it didn't work. So then, because it didn't work, they thought, stuff it, people are coming here anyway, let's charge admissions. So, 50 cents for entering the grounds, $1 for information, $10 for taking pictures, which I think is a fair rate for a, a day trip with the kids. You know, 50 cents to go in there. Cheap and cheerful. Pay them a dollar, they'll tell you the story. But yeah, when they'd done this, it just made everything worse. A radio station employee called Bud Ledwith. Bird. Bird. Radio station employee Bird Ledwith interviewed the adults. Such an American name, isn't it? Bird. But why are we saying it like that? Because it could be Bud. Like Rose Bud. It is Bud. It is. Like, it's Bud. My mum will call me Rosebud. She don't go Rosebird, so I don't know why we're calling it Bird. Because she's not American. I'm from Kentucky. Well, we're just assuming. Yeah, we are. How dare we? 
Anyway, Mr. Bird led with interviewed the adults and drew sketches based on their accounts. He said he was impressed by the remarkable specificity and consistency. Even though the men were away from their farmhouse all day, unable to coordinate with the others, so they couldn't talk to each other, you know, to say make sure they all said the same thing in the yeah. description. Um, in 1956, so a year later, uh, a ufologist. Imagine that's your job. A ufologist Isabel Davies done an investigation which was nearly 200 pages long and it was co-written with Ted Ted Blush B-L-O-E-C-H-E This was published decades after and you can find it on the internet today. I actually found it and read a bit of it. Did you? Yeah. It includes lots of details specifics of the area maps, drawings as well as her interview with the Suttons and the police investigator. Because she went round to investigate all of them after. Um, mm. In her report, she said Chief Greenwell had seen the UFO in 1952. So just so you're clear, the Chief of Police also had his own separate UFO sighting, which is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I don't believe him. Well, let me tell you why maybe you should. Okay. As he was driving away from Kentucky Lake, where his sister operated a resort hotel for sportsmen, he and many other drivers stopped their cars to watch a glowing oval object in the sky above them, which remained in the same place for 30 or 40 minutes before departing at high speed. He then returned to the lake to find out whether any of his sister's guests had also observed the object. Many of them had seen it, and he estimates that it was watched there by 75 to 100 persons. Okay, did anyone get a picture? In 1952, people don't have disposable cameras. So they couldn't sketch it? Where's Where's your pen and paper that you keep in your pocket? I'm just saying... 75 to 100 people all said they saw it. Okay. Yeah. So why haven't we seen one? I don't know, maybe they're more advanced and we're not in the middle of nowhere. Maybe it was a satellite. As if they're going to come to London. It might be, well, nothing surprises me. Maybe it was a satellite. It's 1952, Rosie. So? They could have been more advanced than we thought at the time. Rosie, are you listening to? The, did you listen to any of the story? Yeah. They all got out of the car and it sat there for 34, 40 minutes before departing at high speed. So it was there and then it went. It's hard to believe though, isn't it? And it was glowing. It's hard to believe, like so, to imagine. But a lot of uh, there's a lot of stories about these things happening in the middle of nowhere in America. Like. If you're an alien, you're going to go somewhere that's more secluded. You're not going to come into the... The city. city for everyone to see you get shut down. Yeah. Too much pollution. No. Too much pollution. Um, it's not good for their lungs. <laughs> exactly. Uh, she talks about Greenwell and how respected of a man he is in the report. How he'd gone into the police department and the improvements he made since taking over. Um, his character profile is worth considering when making the UFO claims. So 
obviously he's like a very respectable man he's head of chief of police he made huge changes everyone respected him so he's not the kind of guy in the 1950s that's gonna lightly say that he saw a ufo you know i believe him changed my mind i believe him now okay i'm sure he's i'm sure he'll be happy to hear that you believe him um she also went to visit the Sutton mum and she said that she was very serious and she had no nonsense personally as well. She didn't want to do the interview at first, but then she convinced her. So, again, it's just like another thing of character profile. Like, this type of person doesn't seem like the person that would just make it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you're probably wondering why the myth is of little green men or goblins. Yes, I am. Because the side story, talk of seeing the silver men. So as the story spread and the number of men grew, the story became conjoined with the report from a woman a few years later who reported seeing a flying saucer and a six-foot green man in eastern Kentucky. Six-foot green man. Yeah. So they've tripled in height and they changed colour. Six-foot. Six-foot, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's got the height. 079 me. But he's green. <laughs> With your green self. With your little green talons. <gasps> Don't touch me with them talons. I oh, know, can you imagine? Ew. No. I actually got the heebie jeebies thinking about talons touching me. Oh, stop it. Like, all my hairs have stood on end. Ugh. So, Um, Nowadays, they have an annual festival held in Kelly Station Park called Little Green Men Days Festival, which they celebrate every year on their anniversary. Fun. So you can go and visit and celebrate and people dress up and paint their faces and they have activities and they do stuff to celebrate it. So yeah, that is the story of the Little Green Men or the Kentucky Goblins. Interesting. The Kentucky Fried Goblins. Kentucky Fried Goblins. What do you think? With aliens, I find it weird because I'm like, I don't want to believe it, but then I feel like surely it has to be, right? I mean, if we're here, something else will probably be here. Of course, but I mean, flying down... Yeah, of course, we're not the only only things here, but like... There has to be. Flying down on their spaceships. I don't like to think about it, though, because I feel vulnerable. What, from aliens? Yeah. I'm more scared of people than I am of aliens. I'm not scared of aliens, but if I think about them, then I scare myself because I feel like we're so exposed. Because they're going to drop from the sky. Do you know what I mean? We can't stop them. Yeah. But we can't stop serial killers either. No, but if an alien comes here, they're definitely more advanced than us because we can't go to them. But they could take a li- they could take a liking to us. So with their pets? They could be like... So, yeah, I, I would, listen, if it means either getting my toenails ripped off or being an alien's pet, I'll be the pet. So. Just give me a nice lead. Give me a nice harness. When they come, I'll say, take Rosie. She goes with yeah, me. I volunteer. <laughs> Leave me behind. I volunteer. <laughs> and I'll pick up my dogs and I'll try and run. But I don't know why I'm going to pick them up because they can run faster. Exactly. Than me They'll be picking still. you up. You'll be slowing them down. But it could be a nicer world. It could be a nicer world in their planet. Well, then if it is, come and get me. I'll go. I'll go. Listen, I'm open to it. I'll go. You take one for the team. I'll take one for the team. I really will go. These I'm, I'm so mellow these days. I'll go. 
I will actually go for the sake of humanity. Stop saying this because if you disappear overnight, but know that I went willingly, and then if it's all good, I'll come back and get you. <laughs> all right, fine. Cute story. Thanks for that. Do you have any sources for your story? Yeah, so my sources are history.com, news, slash news, little green men, and kufos.org, slash books, slash close encounter at Kennypedia. But we can list them when necessary. So take a break, peeps, and I'll be back with my uh, true crime. Okay, okay. Rosé all day. I'm actually drinking red wine because life is hard. Are you drinking red wine? Yeah. What wine are you drinking? It's called... It's fucking French. (laughs) Cotas Rome Villages. Oh, maybe it's Italian. Rome Villages. Oh, Product de France. Um, Yeah. I don't know what to do. Please, let me see. Let me see you holding the glass. What? No, that's so cute. I'm actually on the water today. For now. Life is hard. And so is work. And I either drink this red wine or I drink the blood of the people who annoyed me this week. The blood of who? The people who annoyed me this week. Oh, I dread to think how many. <sighs> Multiple. Anyway, let's not get into that. No. So, let's go on to my story. Mm-hmm. Short and sweet for you. So. Yes. This story is called The Body in Room 348. 348. Okay. Exclamation mark. And where is room 348? It is in the Elegante Hotel in Texas. Okay, down in Texas. So I had a Kentucky story and you had a Texas story. Yeah. Hmm. We're both in America today. Okay. So, Greg Flenican was found dead in room 348 of a motel. Poor Greg. On September 15th, 2010, Flenican walked into his room in Texas, but never checked out. Sad. I'm pausing for effect. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you ready? I was... <laughs> I'm pausing for effect, because basically this is a what happened. We know in the first 30 seconds that he's dead. So it's... Uh, so you're working in reverse. Yeah, we're working in reverse. It's a mystery. Yes, it's a murder mystery. Or is it a murder? Who knows? Hours later, the police found 55-year-old Flanagan dead on the floor, with the television still on, the air conditioner off, and more than $1,000 of cash still in the room. Candy bars, soda, and cigarettes were near the bed. Hmm. He was living his best life. Hmm. His death was originally deemed as natural causes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't have been burglary, would it? Because his money was there. Yeah. 
and all his belongings. And the candy bars. Don't let's not forget the candy bars because if the candy bars are there, it definitely wasn't a rob- robbery because you're definitely going to take candy bars. Exactly. If the burglar's there, if the burglar's coming, he's going to take the candy bars too. Priorities, right? Yeah. Like while I've killed you and taken your belongings, I'm going to take your candy. The story his body told grew more intrigued. So Brown is the the guy that does the post-mortem, right? Okay, yeah. So we've got Greg Flenican, the victim. The wife, yeah. she's ruled out. Now we're okay. on to Brown, the post-mortem guy. When he opened the front of the torso, he discovered a surprising amount of blood and extensive mm. internal damage. A certain amount of partly digested food had been torn from his intestines. The doctor found small lacerations there and on the stomach and liver. So there were lacerations on the intestines, stomach and liver, as well as two broken ribs and a hole in the right atrium of his heart. Mm -hmm. Detective Apple, the detective on the case, Called Brown, Mr. Postmortem, immediately for an explanation. Explanation, Sorry. Can't even right. speak. <laughs> the doctor told him that the man in room 348 had suffered the kind of severe internal injuries he was more used to seeing in crash victims or in someone found under a heavy fallen object. So not natural causes. But when they got there, he just looked like he died from natural causes. Yeah, from from the outside, he just looked like he died from natural causes. But when they've cut him open and they've looked into him, all the all of the injuries and the damage are more extreme. Yeah, that's a bit mad because obviously, if you've been hit by a car or something, you'd see it on the outside. Yeah, well, this is what's confusing because the inside you're mashed up, the outside you're normal. <laughs> okay. Why are you laughing? Because you're like, your insides are mash up. <laughs> they were. How did your insides get mash up? And your outsides are fine. Yeah. Well, we'll find out. Mm. The condition of his insides reflected severe trauma. You would think from these injuries that he had been beaten to death or crushed. Okay. He also had a wound... To his genitals that had likely been caused by a hard kick. He had taken a blow to the to the chest so severe it had called lethal caused lethal damage. He would have bled out in less than thirty seconds from the in so from the inside he would have been dead within thirty seconds. So are you telling me someone kicked him in the nuts so hard that it ripped ripped him up, up to his heart? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I didn't know you could do that. Good to know. So, this place in Texas, Beaumont, there are less than 10 deaths a year and they're non-mysterious. In Texas, did I wear them pointy cowboy boots? Sorry? What did you say? In Texas, do they wear them pointed cowboy boots? Yeah. Do you know what I'm picturing? Woody from Toy Story. (laughs) Exactly. Woody and Rose. In their outfits with their cowboy boots. If he got kicked in his private areas, is some 20 cowboy boots, has it gone up and perforated? 
Cowboy boots are back on trend. I've seen a lot of people wearing them. I'm not sure how I feel. Oh, do you know what? I don't care to purchase a pair. That's what I'm going to say. No, never. They're not a bit of me. Okay. So this this case to to them is mysterious because there's no there's non there's less than 10 deaths a year and they're never mysterious. Yeah. So it's like, "Oh, what's going on?" Yeah, it's not that type of area. 6 months had passed and detective Apple was still at a dead end. Poor Apple. I know. The question remained, how does a man get beaten so severely that his ribs crack, inner organs tear and the heart ruptures, all without significant damage to his torso? Other than bruising and the cut on his crutch, Flanagan's outer body showed no signs of a beating. Okay. Bit of history on Greg Flanagan. Greg was known Mm. to be the nicest man, loved by everyone. His wife adored him. A cute little info about him and his wife. They actually got married twice. Oh, that is cute. So they... <laughs> You're like, ah, love that for them. No, I'm just thinking, seeing as most marriages end up in divorce, let alone marry someone twice, it's hard enough to marry someone once. Well, they did get divorced. <laughs> oh. So... <laughs> Oh, <laughs> which is why they got married twice. So well then, see they got married. They got they got married very young, and then they parted ways for a number of years. And then when they were middle aged, um, they re they rekindled. His wife was called Susie. When she called him after the separation, you know what he said to her, Aww. "I've been waiting for you to call." If you've been waiting for her to call, why didn't you call her? Maybe she wanted to be left alone. Maybe he was scared. I don't think that's cute. I don't think that's cute. If me and my husband are parting ways because we just, for whatever reason, yeah, yeah, then it's taken years (laughs) and I've finally stopped being stubborn and I call you and you tell me, Rosie, I've been waiting for you to call. I'm going to say Carlos and put the phone down because why have you, why, if you've been waiting for me to call, why didn't Listen. you call me? We could have re, we could have rekindled years ago, honey. What's going on? Maybe. Listen, maybe you don't know what they divorced over. Maybe she was mad, like proper, proper mad. And he thought, I need to let this bitch calm down. You know, have some time. Bobby, no. She'll come back when she's ready. No. He knew. He knew. No. He knew her. If your he love knew. is this deep, She'll come back when she's ready. If the love is that deep, yeah, you're gonna have to force your love on me, because how are we now remarried years later? Say, and I've had to call you. You know you love me. You know I love you. We've we've broken up for whatever reason. Not that deep because you got remarried. Yeah, for fifteen years the second time before he died. May I add. And it's taken all that time for you to call me. So why is he going to call her when they're remarried? No, like before. Before they remarried. Exactly. Oh, If the love's that strong, you need to force it, Bobby. Force your love on me. Are you looking? I mean, I don't think I'm going to wait 15 years to call you. Look in my eyes. Okay. Force your love on me. I'm a bit scared, but okay. Because sometimes I'm in my feelings. <laughs> no, no, but do you know sometimes as women we're in our feelings, we're annoyed, we're angry. Just force it on me, man. Warm up my heart. 
Anyway, he, that's what happened with them. We're not even going to talk about you and your little bubbles. You sit this red wine like it's tea. And then <laughs> they ended up marrying <laughs> Bobby Sips. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> right, anyway. I love how you're literally like, cool. <laughs> no comment. Rosie wants forced love. Back to the story. So they were married for 15 years, the second time around before he died. There's two theories that they came up with. She did it. She was mad that he didn't call her sooner. No, that would, that would, you would think that would be the theory. The first theory involved sex. With a cowboy boot. The elegante maintenance man happened to have a rap <laughs> sex with a cowboy boot. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. <laughs> I feel like I need red wine now. Not only are you done with me, I'm done with you after that comment. <laughs> Someone bring me some red wine. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Seriously. The elegante maintenance man mm. happened to have a rap sheet as a sex offender. Oh. Might the puncture wound to the scrotum and internal injuries have been caused by a long screwdriver oh. in some sort of bizarre and kinky assault? That's nasty. Detective Apple spent a lot of time talking to the maintenance man and looking into his background, but this theory never advanced beyond wild suspicion. <laughs> Can you imagine him if show me your screwdrivers? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you have these? Because I'm a maintenance man. Which one is your longest screwdriver? <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Right. The second theory uh-huh. involved a group of union electricians staying at the Elegante. Who also had screwdrivers. A number of... They probably did. They're electricians. A num- <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Bobby, you're killing me. <laughs> a number... Are you ready? Mm-hmm. A number of whom had been in the room next door, room 349, on the night Greg died. They were in town for an extended stay doing a job for an oil company. At night, they they tended to assemble in one another's rooms to drink. What if some of them had been partying next door when their electricity went out? Their electricians and the electricity went out. What kind of theory is this? The irony. The irony. This is just a theory, though. Might one... Or more of them have knocked on Greg's door and perhaps drunk and annoyed, exchanged words and then assaulted him in the hallway. Why don't know Could Greg... It's by his fault the electric's gone out. Well, this is, this is the second theory. Because they're drunk. Oh, yeah, yeah, Because yeah, they're yeah. drunk, drunk and rowdy, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Could Greg, okay. badly beaten, have returned to his room and then collapsed? Some of the electricians had been questioned on the day the body was found, but none of them said they had any interaction with the man in room 348. Time went on. Detective Apple was getting nowhere, so he brought in Brenman. Brenman is a former Long Island cop and DEA special agent who now makes a good living as a private detective in Florida. He is pushing 60, still solid, and always tan and stylish in the South Florida manner. Blue-eyed, thick-necked, and ruggedly handsome. Is this his ad? to hire him as detective sounds like he's trying to get hired for something else but anyway we move on we move on we move on good to have the visuals i guess so they went back to room 348 all these months later Mm. to see if they can find any more like hidden evidence because obviously the room the room would have been being used by then yeah so i don't know what they're thinking they're going to find but still They began inspecting the floor, the furniture, the walls, everything. 
They were both working on their hands and knees, shining flashlights under furniture. They found nothing. Brenman was frustrated because he's crap at his job, clearly, because he was now convinced that somehow a gun had been involved. They were, they were about to give up when he noticed an indentation in the wall alongside the closed door that led into the adjoining room. The indentation was a repair job. So since it's happened, it's been repaired, but he's noticed that it's not done. You know, if it's not done properly, you can still see oh, a little okay. dip. So who did that? It appeared to be right where the handle of the door would hit the wall. Typical hotel wear and tear. But when he swung the door open, the knob and the dent didn't quite match. The doorknob touched the wall slightly to the right, so it didn't slot in to where that in where that indentation so was. So it wasn't from the door. Yeah, so handle. it wasn't from yeah. the door. They went back to the body and inspected its organs one by one. Uh, so this guy hasn't been buried or cremated for all this time because it's still unsolved. That's a bit hard, but mm-hmm. okay, makes sense. Brenman confirmed... Difficult on the wife. (laughs) Sip your wine. You need it, girl. Brenman confirmed that it was indeed a homicide. Homicide. So Apple took months and months and months and months and got nowhere. Brenman comes on the case and quickly he's like, this was a homicide. Homicide. Two minds are better than one. Greg was shot in the scrotum. What? There was me thinking it was some kind of demon that mashed him up. Did you? Some paranormal activity in room three four three yeah. room three four eight. Some mad cowboy boot wearing electrician with a screwdriver. That's a ghost. Yeah. Did all this. That's my theory. Imagine. Stop. They found a bullet track through the body. Guess who did it? Wait, so when they first done the autopsy, they didn't find the bullet? No, they just found the... They found a hole in his heart? I feel like he had... So where is the bullet? In yeah, his I heart? feel like he got shot through the scrotum. And it went up, And it up, went through up. his body and through his heart. So where... Did it come back out? He must have been laying down. The bullet wasn't in the body. But then he had no exit wound. So where's the bullet? So that's some. It must have been in his heart somewhere, right? Because that's a mystery in itself. Then mm. that's some slop. That's some sloppy autopsy. You've cut someone open. And you can't find a bullet. There's no exit wound. If I found a hole in the heart, I'm gonna be like, you need to look where that hole's gone. Yeah, where it ends. That's just some lazy autopsy. Anyway, I'm not- I'm not a forensic. No, but I mean, you don't need to be to know that there's no exit wound. So there must be, where's the hole come from? So it was the electricians. It was the electricians. It was the electricians. The electricians that didn't see him, see? Yeah. Basically, what had happened was they were drunk and they were messing around, play fighting with each other. Of course, lads. One of them pulled the um, trigger and it went through the wall, through his scrotum, 
out and into his heart and he died. Why are they getting their guns out when they're drunk and messing around with them? And they're loaded. See, this was just a recipe for disaster. Literally. This poor guy, he was probably just laying in his bed. Because think, if it's gone through at the door handle level, he must have been just laying in his bed, chilling or something. For it to go up that way, he must have been... Laying down. Horizontal. Yeah. yeah. So he must have been laying... So he's laying there, probably watching TV, because you said the TV was on. Yeah, yeah. So he's in there watching TV thinking, right, I'm going to smoke a cigarette, I'm going to eat a candy bar. Just Next enjoy thing. it. <gasps> yeah. Done. Probably tried to get up, fell on the floor. Do you know what as well? He couldn't have been in the room um, that long because the air conditioner was off and his wife, when they were talking to her, had said yeah. that he always slept with the air conditioner on because he liked to sleep in a really, really cold room. So it couldn't have even yeah. been in his room long before this had happened because it wasn't even switched on yet. That's sad. That's tragic, yeah. actually. It's yeah. poor wife. What a, way to, what a way to lose your man. I would actually be fuming because some people wouldn't get drunk and act, act dumb. Because it's careless, that's why. <laughs> that is my story. It, it could have been avoided. Of course it could, but a lot of things could be avoided. A lot of things could be avoided. Like, in, in cases like this. So, I'll just give you... That's my story done. Short and sweet. Mm. I'll give you my sources. Okay. Yep, go ahead. abcnews.go.com forward slash US forward slash caused man's mysterious death Texas hotel room. The next one is Vanity Fair forward slash the body in room 348. Then the final one is YouTube forward slash watch and then the the link, the numbers to actually link the video that I watched. We can add it at the we can add it to the yeah. info. Sure. Cute cute. What did you think? That was a good one. Good mystery. It's a nice easy one to just start with. Yeah. But because they're about to get fucked up. Mm, just to ease everyone in. Do you want to finish with the... Do you want to tell everyone where they can find us? You can find us on Instagram. Wine Weird Wonder. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. That's our social for now. That's our socials for now. If you have any of your own true crime paranormal stories... We'd like to hear them at wineweirdwonder at gmail.com. Just put the title as listener story because we'd like to start doing listener episodes once we have enough mm. coming in. And when you send it as well in the subject, say whether it's true crime or paranormal. Okay, do that too to help us. <laughs> so we can separate it. Fine. That's about it. Until next time. Until next week. Bye. Bye-bye.